it's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live. Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Members, friends, and players, welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the director of fun, and I'll be here entertaining you on this Friday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. It's another active week in the golf world. Our recent stretch of fine weather continues to produce a record number of rounds here in New Jersey. But that's not the only thing on a record pace. The popularity of our pro show continues as well. So much so, today's guest was originally from another continent. So here's a simple serenade to get us started. I hear the drums echoing tonight. And she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. You know, I'm excited about today's show. Our guest is one of the leading voices we hear every week in golf. He's an award-winning coach, author, podcast host, and broadcaster. His name is Mark Immelman. So, Mark, I know you're on the line there. Welcome to Springdale Golf Live. How is your world today? Uh, my world is great. It's good to be with you guys. Um, and I uh, appreciate Toto in Africa. That's very cool. Uh, but nice to be with you guys. Well, we thought we'd have a little fun with the song of the week to open with today to give you a little shout out to your homeland. And uh, I'm, so I'm mm-hmm. glad you uh, you caught that reference and, and you enjoyed it as well. Now, you know, let's jump right into this. And I've wanted to have you on the show um, since we first met a couple years ago on Sirius. And one of the reasons why is that you are such a student of the game. But at the same time, you're out there witnessing it live on the PGA Tour. So yeah. just to get just to kind of get started here and have some fun today. Right. What's something new that you've learned or that you've observed here in 2020 about the game of golf? Wow. I mean, that's such a it's a great question. It's a broad question. And right now, given you know what I've been up to, I can really only kind of speak to what's happening on the PGA Tour because we were out there with golf's return and post the COVID-19 lockdown. And and the one thing I know for sure is that, that golf does it right. And the folks who do golf are professionals. And I, I'm not discounting any other leagues or whatever, but the PGA Tour, they were brave. Uh, I, I, I commend Commissioner Monaghan and his crew. The tour were brave to... to, to to, to get out there first, to expose themselves first, to bring golf back. And, and then I've noticed as I've gotten home and in my, all of my travels that golf is our resilient source. You know, golf is that kind of game where you, you get beaten up more than you celebrate kind of deal. And, and golfers, by, by almost necessity, are resilient. But through this all, you know, the golf folks getting out on the golf course, they were almost the first people to me wherever I'd go and I'd see there'd be golfers out there. So... So, so I think it wasn't necessarily new, but, but the, my beliefs were just galvanized having watched golf over the last little while. And, and, and golf is great, and the people who do golf are great, and, and more than anything, the folks are just very resilient and professional. I love the use of that word resilient. It makes me think of another word like adapt. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at your career and I think that you've adapted in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to use this term. I, I kind of think of you as like a renaissance man that you can do a lot of different <laughs> things. Right. So, uh, you know, for my listeners who may not know you and, and not know you from CBS Sports or PGA Tour Live, you know, how did you kind of go down this path? How did how did you become such a diverse advocate for the game of golf? You know, just a whole bunch of serendipity. Um, you know, I'm from South Africa originally, now American citizen, and and South Africans are athletic, sporty people. And so, I'm small. I'm five foot nine, if I'm on my tiptoes, really. And 
and rugby, I got beaten up a few times and injured pretty badly, and I was a good cricketer and a good tennis player, and I sort of fell into golf, and, um, you know, golf has taken me and my family to places that were beyond my wildest dreams, and now to be, you know, part of the CBS, um, the golf on CBS cruise, I didn't even dream that far, so it's a whole lot of grace, a whole lot of serendipity, a whole lot of good fortune, um, and, and people along the way who sort of took a bit of a shine to me and gave me a chance, but you know, I guess at the uh, at the heart of it all is just a, a real passion for this game of golf, and 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 I've loved it, and it's loved me right back. I'll be honest with you. Well, many of the different channels or avenues or mediums that you choose kind of have come to the main stage within the last five to ten years. So, was there, mm-hmm. you know, at that pivot moment, was there a mentor or a person or a role model that kind of took you under their wing, or was there there's someone that you noticed, you know, how did all of these different, um, you know, vocal oc- occupations come together for you in golf? It's crazy. Well, I mean, you know, as, as I think of myself as a player, um, our original club professional at the Somerset West Country Club, and a uh, man named Robbie Chapman, sadly, sadly passed away many moons ago. Um, he had a bit of an influence on me, obviously, as I got into the game. And then I came over to college to Columbus State, and my coach then, uh, Dr. Earl Bagley, who was not a golfer, and he was just a, a, um, the dean of students at the time. And, and, and he has always been a mentor to me. In fact, I live in Columbus, Georgia, and he is still a source of counsel to me, just kind of, you know, sort of making me think about everything from a global, holistic point of view, as opposed to getting too locked up into golf, really. And so there was him, and then as an instructor, uh, David Ledbetter has been a huge source of counsel to me and been a great mentor. And and uh, then as we worked into the broadcast arena, I've been fortunate to work alongside a number of you know, doyens of the industry. Um, but, but I would say Bill Kratzer has been very... He, he guided me early in my broadcast career. And, and there was a guy, Bill Rosinski, who still does PGA Tour radio, and he was the voice of the Atlanta Falcons at one stage and the voice of the Carolina Panthers. He guided me along and kind of challenged me to be me and not to be someone else. And then since then, I mean, I get to be alongside guys like Jim Nance and Vern Lundquist, and, and, and they are in their own way as professionals as what they are, great mentors too. So there have been many folks along the way, and I'm, I count myself very, very, very fortunate to, to, to call them friends and mentors. Well, I tell you, we're super lucky to have you here today and, and have you be a friend of the show. So, folks, if, you, if you're hearing that eloquent voice that we have this afternoon, that's Mark Immelman, the voice of PGA Tour Live, the coach down at Columbus State University. 20 years you've been there, and you've been an award-winning mm-hmm. coach. So, at one point, you got into coaching 20 years ago, right? Um, where did that yeah. interest come from? I know you were a great player at Columbus State, but now you are their director of golf. How did that evolution take place? Well, I was, I got out of college and I was successful and um, I, 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 my designs were to play and then I quickly realized that having a, a brother about 10 years my junior who could beat me any day of the week, even though I was pretty good, was sort of scuppering my plans to be the best golfer in the world. So, you know, I wouldn't say I, I lost heart with the playing, but I, I had this moment where I suddenly realized I, I could teach the game pretty well and then my dad actually told me that when I was a kid, I said to him, I wanted to be a teacher. Well, lo and behold, I did not teach a game that I love. And so there was, I, I was teaching golf over in Europe on the European tour. And then my old coach, Dr. Bagley, called me up. And he said the uh, coaching job was going. And they were interested in me um, applying. And it was honestly a way for me and then my then fiance Tracy, to get back into the United States. 
And so we came over here, and obviously I bleed red, white, and blue, given that I graduated from CSU. And so interview got the job, and and so then I was in college coaching for a while, but during that time they let me still teach golf. So I stayed relevant. I was still working with some players on the tour. And so it's all, like, like I said, it been very serendipitous along the way as a college coach I could teach. And now, you know, my current boss, they're, they're, they're very... Um, um, they're very accommodating them to allow me to get out and, and go and work with CBS and go and work with the PGA Tour. So, so, so it was all thanks to Columbus State University, honestly, and, and, and me sort of being a college coach and a golf instructor at the same time. Well, on this show, we've had a lot of unique coaches on here to talk to us. Um, anyone from George Gankis to David Orr to Jeff mm-hmm. Smith, all these great guys. But I don't think any of them really have the unique viewpoint that you do that gets to walk along, you know, the PGA Tour's best every weekend or every week for that matter. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how, you know, what you learn from seeing the best swings in the world on a weekly basis up close and personal, right? Like what, what impresses you the most about today's PGA Tour player? Well, what impresses me is just how good they really are. And I, I oftentimes contend this when I get on shows and stuff and, uh, and, and I guess it was born of me being from South Africa originally, and then I go back home and someone would say to me, well, you know, what's Ernie Els' problem? You know, why isn't he winning? And then what's Trevor Immelman's problem? Why isn't he winning? And, and my, my answer always has been, well, golf is good. Golf is deep. And, you know, on the PGA Tour, uh, these guys out there are good. And, and you'll brush with one decent golfer. That doesn't necessarily um, quantify how good the tour and the players really are. And so... I often say that you've you, you've got to be really good to suck on the PGA Tour, and uh, and and, and the, the thing that strikes me about these guys is the athleticism, the mental acumen, um, the emotional control, and then just the the the, the, the discipline to their craft, and and, and the work ethic that that these guys go through week in week out, the ups and the downs and stuff. So they're really the entire package. They're athletes and they're professional at the same time. So. To me, you know, obviously a beautiful drive by Rory McIlroy is, is eye-popping, but, but, but everything else that goes into it is what impresses me. You know, that's a really good point you just made. And folks, if you're wondering who made that point, we're with Mark Immelman today, broadcaster, coach, author. And, you know, I have a lot of listeners that are either are PGA coaches or they're just, you know, fans of the show from here between New York and Philadelphia. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. is there anything that, that the PGA Tour elite do that they can kind of you know, bring into their own game to try to help them improve. And obviously, uh, most of my listeners aren't just going to swing it like Matt Wolf or Bryson DeChambeau, yeah. right? They're just not going to mm-hmm. do that. But if you look at the group as a whole, is it the dedication to their craft? Is it the athleticism that they show? What are a couple things that my listeners could take to say, hey, I want to introduce this into my game because I know it's a common theme amongst PGA Tour players? Well, um, I, I know everything right now is everyone's talking about speed and power and the arms race kind of thing that's on the go. But the truth of this all is every great player, every consistently great player has a tremendous short game. And people talk about Bryson's power. But when Bryson won the U.S. Open, he putted unbelievably well. And when he won in Detroit, he led the field in putting. So the average golfer is not necessarily going to swing the club at speeds that these guys do. I mean, we can pick up a little power, and that, will, that stacks the odds in one's favor. But I've always believed, like a football team, that you know, on first down, you just don't toss an interception. You, you just gain some yards. And eventually, if you convert on third down, no one will ever stop you. 
and on the golf course, if you're if you're good at shot number three, chips, pitches, greenside bunker shots, uh, lag putts, um, wedges from 100 yards, whatever it might be, or putts, you know, holding out. If you're good at any shot number three, you're going to make a number of threes and fours in your card. And the last time I checked, um, 18 fours add up to 72. So uh, I wouldn't advocate everyone chasing power. It is helpful. But if you can get good at shot number three, you're going to do your scorecard a huge favor. That is awesome advice. And, you know, speaking of someone that's tough to stop, I look back at your collegiate record there at Columbus State playing for the Cougars. Three-time All-American, two national titles. You had a lot of success, right? How did you end up at Columbus State University coming from South Africa? I remember that uh, I, I talked about fortune. Well, I came out of, uh, I came out of high school, and I was a good player. I, I won a number of junior events, and uh, but but I came out in a class that included, well, I was just a bit behind them, but Ernie Els, Ratif Kursen, who were both guys in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, uh, the, the the crop of players that came out around my time were very good, kind of like um, the, the Ersteds and Schwarzel group that came out here with Brandon Grace recently for South Africa. And so, so, so from that, I quickly realized that, hold on a second, I've got some going to go because these guys are so good. And so I was caddying on the European tour in South Africa. And through that, I met a guy called Hugh Royer, or Tommy Tolls initially. He played at the University of Georgia. In fact, if you go and look up Tommy Tolls, you would have seen he played in the tour and finished second in the Players' Championship one year. And so he was good. And I was caddying for Tommy, and Tommy introduced me to Hugh, whose dad was the professional at Bull Creek Golf Course here in Columbus, where I live. And uh, I caddied for you one week, and he's like, and we played golf. And then he's like, what are you doing caddying? And I said, well, I don't know what else to do. And so he's like, well, why don't you go to college? And I was like, how do I do that? And he goes, well, skip me a video of your swing. I'll send it over to Columbus, which he did. And they called right back. And so that was it. So, I mean, very, very fortunate. You know, things kind of went my way because back then, you know, universities were not recruiting globally. And so I was one of the first South Africans to come over here. And, uh, and, and, and it turned out great. I mean, I'm still in Columbus, Georgia. That's, I mean, that's such an amazing story. And you've had so much success. And it's just further proof of, you know, sometimes when you take the road less traveled, it makes all the difference. You know, it, mm-hmm. uh, I, I just love your story. I just think it's so unique. And the amount of success that you've had in the last, you know, three to five years and, and even to this point in 2020, I think it's truly a credit to, you know, how well your game traveled to Columbus and then how you evolved to a coach and now how you've evolved into, you know, one of the great young voices of golf. And I, I just think it's tremendous. So um, at this moment, though, I'm getting the high sign here for my producer, Wade. He wants to take a little break here. So I, I know you know how that is with somebody in your ear telling uh-huh. you what to do. So do you mind holding on for a couple seconds? I got a couple more questions for you to dig in here. Of course. All right. Well, it, folks, it's 3.15 p.m. here in Princeton. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We'll be back in a moment with more from one of the PGA Tour's most creative storytellers, Mark Immelman. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. We are excited to announce that PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere, a rehabilitative golf program for military veterans with disabilities, will take place on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. throughout the fall season at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club. To support the NJGF or learn more about the PGA Hope program for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. 
Rich in distinguished history for nearly 125 years, Springdale Golf Club and its members have been beautifully making their mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Our impact in the industry does not stop there. Did you know about the benefits that extend beyond the boundaries of the club through its agreement with Troon Purvey, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management? Springdale's walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn design course, now combined with Troon's operational expertise, are taking the club to the next level in our commitments to the member experience. Just announced as a significant expansion to the Troon Purvey Privileges Program. This Vanguard service initiative includes enhanced golf and lifestyle benefits that extend far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments being made at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to ESPN 920. You know, a big part of the pro show is the pop culture of sports and life. And before we get to today's back nine, I wanted to pay a small tribute to a legendary rock star from the 80s. We all know him. Those that grew up in the 80s, man, Mr. Eddie Van Halen passed away this week. You truly were one of a kind, man. Enjoy this classic, everyone, as we prepare for a great weekend. Wade, for Eddie, turn it up. Today's guest is my kind of rock star. He's a coach. He's a voice for the game. He's a father. So, Mark, welcome back. And uh, I know we're having some fun here today with the music. Um, I know you're a good rock and roll fan, so I didn't think you'd mind a little Van Halen and a tribute to Eddie. Um, what's your impression of Eddie Van Halen and and his music? Well, you know, it's, I, I'm dating myself a bit now, but when I came over here to college, um, it was in an era where CDs were just beginning to happen. And the first ever CD I ever bought was 5150 by Van Halen. And then, funny enough, uh, yeah, recently on my podcast, I had a guy on uh, a professional golf professional that lives out in the L.A. area, and that guy by the name of Rondell Barrio. And he was Eddie Van Halen's golf instructor. And so some of the stories that Ron told me on this podcast were fascinating. And, and, and they sort of, to me, fit exactly who Van Halen was. So. Loved the band, loved Eddie. Uh, I, I loved the fact that there were two brothers in the same band. And, and funny enough, the, bu- the brothers, Eddie preferred to play the drums, and Alex, his brother, preferred to play the guitar, yet they did the other thing in the band. So, I mean, there's so many cool stories about it. And uh, we, we lost a good one when he passed away. Yeah, it, at 65 years old, it's, it's just way too soon. And, you know, I, I think one of the biggest testaments to the Van Halen brothers was that it didn't matter who the front man was. I mean, it could have been me or you. And, and I think the music was going to be just as energetic and engaging. And it's just awesome. And, um, you know, this week I had to pick out a song and kind of do a tribute to Eddie. And, uh, well, I'm glad you liked it. And uh, a little Panama there. So um, having mm. some fun on a Friday afternoon. And as the director of fun, it's my job to do that. And, folks, we're doing it with Mark Immelman. So, Mark, Let's get restarted here. And I want to do a little PGA Tour talk. We talked about this right from the beginning when you mentioned how impressed you were and how resilient that the PGA Tour was. Now, you know, they've done a tremendous job leading the return of professional sports, not just golf, but professional sports. Right. As someone involved or at least an eyewitness from inside the ropes. Right. 
what essentially has changed about what you do now? And is it really that much different? Um, you know, what's impressed you the most about this evolution of how we see the game? Well, I, I can, all I can speak to, obviously, is what CBS did, you know, in coming back because of what COVID, COVID protocol, the, the crews were cut in the biggest way and there were fewer cameras and, and there were folks spaced all over the place. Like our announced crew, we had folks in Orlando and we had folks on site and, and it was a global enterprise really coming together with a PGA tour stop. And so, so what the television broadcast company in CBS did to pull the stuff off was, was, it should be award-winning to be honest with you. I mean, the production and, and the, the direction guys getting by with some awesome storytelling, but with limited um, cameras and such was tremendous. So, from that point of view, I think things were streamlined, and, and yet the viewer experience, I don't think, was, was was altered whatsoever. So from that standpoint, I think it was great. And then, you know, from me being out on the golf course, um, the biggest thing that would change for me as an on-course announcer was I didn't really have the luxury of having, you know, the gallery around. So they disguise their, their ambient noise disguises me a little bit. And there was once or twice I got called off by Justin Thomas or someone when I was about 50 yards away and talking because they could hear it. So, 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 so that was the biggest change about it all. But, but, but in the end, I mean, it was crazy. Once we sort of got used to what it felt like, it was business as usual. And everyone was just doing their thing. That's a pretty cool story because you're such a natural in the way that you fit in your commentary with what's going on on the course. And I always think that what you do is so difficult because you have to be prepared to react to something, but you don't know what it's going. You don't know where the shot's going to go. And you then have to relate that to Jim and Nick. And, and you, it, it's just I, I think you do such a good job of just melding your words and just kind of bringing in the action and, and giving it such a unique perspective from there. And then the idea that you had to be careful from 50 yards away that Justin could hear you. I mean, that's kind of a funny thing because you're used to the fans. And, you know, you know, you say the gallery there that, you know, I, I, when I was the viewer, you're absolutely right. The viewer experience has been great. And and the drama on the golf course has been great. But I think about things yeah. like the playoff at, at the workday or the end of the BMW and the playoff there. Like, what would a gallery have done in those settings, right? And then you're engulfed by that. Yeah. You know, how different mm-hmm. is that? Well, it's, it's hugely different, you know, from an adrenaline sort of a standpoint, because even for us, you know, walking around carrying a microphone, you, you get jacked up from this sort of thing. And when the crowds are going bananas, it has a, an effect on you too, and so you know, controlling your your cadence and your tone, and, and controlling your your modulation, so you don't overmodulate and stuff, is a big deal. So uh, there, there's sort of an art to it, I guess. But but just from the player's point of view, um, you know, not having the galleries there and having them feed off that sort of energy, uh, I, I think it's a big deal. But I will tell you this, you know, c- categorically. You know, being with final groups, coming down the stretch with guys in contention, you know, it's exactly the same. The only thing is you don't have a raucous crowd on the sideline cheering good shots. And so would it have been nice to have someone on the 18th green at, at Muirfield Village? Uh, people, I should say, absolutely. Same deal in Chicago. But you know what, in the end, there were tremendous shots hit by tremendous players at the right time. So, uh, I mean, it was great theater, even though there wasn't the crowd interaction with the players. 
Well, you know what? You play a big part in that great theater. There's no doubt. I know you don't hit the shots, but it also takes someone to tell the story. And, you know, I want to shift gears here for a second. I want to talk about another part of the storytelling that you do. You have a very, very cool podcast called On the Mark, you know, appropriately named, of course. And, uh, you know, for my fans of the show here, it's the best in class golf instruction and interviews. And you've been doing this podcast for how long? Uh, I think we have fifth or fourth season. Now, we've got 446 done. The first 100 or so went so great. But since then, they've gotten a bit better. And, and, and as we've grown, I mean, it's, it's a global audience right now. It's about 3 million plus downloads, I think it is. And, um, you know, we, we get some great guests on there. And, and it's neat for me to to be able to expose these bright minds and, and these great players and these awesome instructors to, to folks around the world who might not be able to afford a lesson with folks or even get to them. So, so it's been awfully rewarding, and it's been nice for me to give a voice to some some talented young teachers and players too. So just four hundred plus episodes. That's all, right? So <laughs> great work, great work. Labor of love. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, honestly, I love it. You know, I, I love to tune into it. And I love to listen. And as someone who interviews people myself, right, has. Of the 400-plus, does anyone ever really stand out in your mind, you know, because we kind of have expectations of how an interview will go, you know, as the host, but had, did anyone really kind of throw you for a loop and you were like, wow, that was a crazy interview and I never saw that coming? There have been a lot of them, and I can't single anyone out right now because, you know, I go into a, a podcast with an idea um, of, of what I'd like to be able to at least title this thing because my goal behind this podcast is to help the listener to not just information, but to be able to really understand a principle so they can apply it themselves. Um, so, so that's always the overarching theme for me. And so I go in there, but then I basically just talk with someone who loves golf and I start listening to them and I ask them questions like a fan, like I was listening to what they had to say. So there've been a few times where a conversation has happened or started somewhere and ended somewhere completely else. But I feel like that's when the real gold is uncovered, kind of deal. So, you know, off the top of my head, um, you know, we all off production, but we had Conor Moore on at one stage, you know, the Irish um, impressionist. Sure. Um, and uh, he did golf tips from Ian Poulter and Justin Rose and Tiger Woods, you know, all the voices that he does. And, and so that was funny. It was hilarious. He was very good at what he did. And so that sort of stands out. But, man, we've got some great guests. And, um, and every single one of them, you know, has been very forthcoming with their information, which is cool. And so there's always a little something. And, and I charge the listener to listen to it more than once, because if you do, you, know, you, you just keep on hearing new things, something you might have lost in translation. And so, so it's all some really, to be honest. Well, when we do listen more than once, we really understand if I steal your two mm -hmm. words there, folks. And, you know, one of the things that we do here to try to really understand our guests is that we have a little fun at the end of every episode, and that's to do a little rapid-fire Q&A, because my fans, my listeners, all my downloaders, they love to get to know my guests on a personal level. So, Mark Immelman, you okay. up for a little fun here? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. All right, here we go. Last podcast you listened to other than yours? One by a guy called Stephen Furtick. He's a pastor from North Carolina. Charlotte. Well, what non-golf person would you like to have dinner with? Mm, that's a good one. Um, probably some president, uh, you know, of the United States or, or world leader. I like to learn about leadership and servant servant leadership. 
Mm, I like that. I like where you went with that. Great. All right. If you could be a musician in any band, who would you be? <laughs> well, I play the drums in the background uh, ever since I was a kid. So I'd be a drummer, and I'd be the tattooed dude with the long hair in the back, and and, and that'd be my thing. I'm a real, I'm a real rock and roll deep down. Who is the broadcaster that inspires you the most? Hmm. Wow. There's so many. Um, you know, there's so much to learn from so many guys, but, but I would say, look, it's, it might sound trite because I work alongside the best in the business, in my opinion. But, but Jim Nance, just because of his professionalism and because of the way he treats people, uh, I think it would probably be Jim Nance. Uh, Jim's exquisite, there's no doubt, and he's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Would you rather bungee jump or skydive? Neither. <laughs> Fair enough. Me neither. On a scale of one, to, on a scale of one to ten, rate your driving ability a vehicle. Oh, I'm a very safe driver. So what does that make me? Six or seven, or just four or five? Well, when you were driving those teams, hopefully their parents knew you were a nine or a ten. Yeah. You know, I, I drive very slowly. I, I, my team and my wife and everyone joke with me that they say like, when I'm driving, it's like I'm driving the daisy. So I, I drive very slowly. Uh, hobby you have outside of golf? I like to uh, watch sport. I'm a voracious reader, um, so probably reading. And uh, then I don't know if it's a hobby, but I love red wine. So <laughs> that's a good <laughs> one. Evening, some wine. Yeah. All right. What was your major in college? It was business administration with the emphasis on marketing. All right. One more. Who was the most inspiring person you have ever met? Hmm. That's a really good one. Oh goodness. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, which I guess would, well, I mean, by definition, that says they're not very inspiring, but I've met so many great ones. Um, well, I tell, uh, well, I tell you what, Mark, you've been inspiring for me and for my listeners today. I can't thank you enough for being here. It was my pleasure. Good to be with you. Now, before I go sending you over there to Max Kellerman, I got to do my thank yous, got to talk to my sponsors and all of those folks that help take care of us and make Springdale Golf Live so great. Folks, TaylorMade Golf, New Jersey Golf Foundation, Summit Golf Brands, and F.H. Wadsworth, thank you for all of the support. Wade Weezer on the board, my man. Springdale Board of Governors for all that you do. Troon Golf Management, and most importantly, my listeners. Folks, happy birthday to Annika Sorensam today. She's 50. Really cool thing there, and I'm heading to Springdale. But where are you headed? We'll let the tower be your guide. And from Aronimink to TPC Summerlin, and of course, everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale day. Thanks for joining us for today's show. Return to the tee next Friday at 3 with Keith Stewart and Springdale Golf Live.